Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, make sure you subscribe and hit that notification bell because this episode is going to knock your socks off. We are talking with my brother, Nick. We're going to be talking about how to live your life limitless, li limitless if I can speak right, but also how <laughs> to play because I love to play. So this is going to be a great episode. He's my, my friend, Nick. He's an Army Ranger, entrepreneur, coach. He's the Swiss Army knife of, men of positive mental health. Nick, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Rich. Thanks for having me, man. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, any chance I get to, to hang with some other veterans and talk about how to live life on their terms. And uh, it's, it's a good time. So I'm happy to be here, brother. Appreciate and you. I know we, we've, put, we've played phone tag on and off for the last couple of years. <laughs> we finally got it going yeah. on. But before I, because I got a traumatic brain injury, if I don't say something, I'm going to forget it. Um, what is your definition of resiliency? Yeah, well, you know, I was listening to some of your other episodes and, I, and I'm like, oh, that's a great question. And for me, like I used to be an engineer, right? So I, I spent over a decade in engineering and resiliency is, is a technical term, literally, um, that describes a materials property to be able to be bent and be, you know, just distorted and spring back to its original shape, right? And so I've thought about that in technical terms many, many times. And I also apply that in my own life because it's, it's about how much can you endure, right? Experience, how deep can you go into the muck and come back out and be okay, right? Or even way better than okay, which is, you know, some of the stuff we're going to dive into today about how to do that. But and you that's know, what it means to me, man. You can, you can just take it and keep rolling. I love it. You know, and I also believe that, you know, there's post-traumatic stress, but there's also post-traumatic growth. And that's something I want to talk today. But first of all, you know, give us a quick down and dirty. Tell us a little bit about how, you, you know, where you come from, where you grew up, a little bit about your service and how you became the man that you are today. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. So, you know, I grew up in a uh, blue collar family on, in the Northeast and um, just kind of went through the motions in life for, for a long time. I, I never was really exactly sure what I wanted to do with my life. And so just kind of, you know, I, well, the one caveat is I did know I wanted to join the military, but I wanted to join it right out of high school. And that didn't happen. And we can dive into, you know, why, if that if that feels important in a minute. But ultimately, it was a huge shock to my system because my whole plan was I'm going in the military. Instead, I had to figure out what else to do. And so I kind of drifted and I ended up going to college for engineering. Um, and then I got into the punk rock scene in Boston and I was playing in bands and just kind of working and, you know, just going through the motions every day um, until I was about 28 years old. And I met a ranger who had just gotten out of the military and then after a few months of, of spending time with him, he went back in. And when he went back in, I said, you know what, let me try this again. Cause it was still in my, in my heart, right. To, to serve in the military. And I, like I said, I was kind of just drifting anyways. So went down to the recruiter's office. That's another episode <laughs> to talk about what happened from the day I said, Hey, I want to get in to the day I actually got in, which took almost a year. But ultimately, I did uh, I did sign up with a Ranger contract and um, 
you know, went through the selection and training process and ended up at uh, 75th Ranger Regiment, 1st Battalion in Savannah. And, um, you know, spent four years, a uh, lot of combat at that time, right? It was 2008 to 2012. And um, then when I got out, I had a family now. Right? I had my first child, was married. And, you know, that, that started another whole adventure of, transitioning and figuring out how to how to be a family man and you know get back into civilian life and really reconnect to purpose and that was uh, a very tumultuous chapter in my life it's been over 10 years now since i got out and i now feel like i am so clear about my purpose i'm so committed and so passionate about what i do which is coaching now right i'm a life coach um, i help men and women figure out how to play, figure out how to let go of all that stuff, right? That's keeping them, that's keeping them from living the life that they really want to live. And once we get to that clarity, we just go for it. Right. And we, we play all out for the life that they want to create. And um, it's extremely rewarding, you know, um, and I, and I love it. I, it's all I eat, breathe, sleep, think about. Um, and I'm always on my own uh, edge as well. So, you know, through those, through all of that time that I just kind of really breezed over, there have been some really significant events in my life, big challenges, right? We're talking about resilience. Um, you know, I've lost, I've lost parents. Uh, I've lost buddies in combat. I've dealt with my own PTSD, dealt with my own physical issues. Um, I, uh, you know, I, we, I have three kids, the third kid. Uh, when we were pregnant, we thought we were going to lose him. Right. So we dealt with that whole thing. Um, and then um, I ultimately got divorced. And, you know, so all of these things have been bending me and, you know, putting me in the forge, melting me down, refining me. Right. And then through the power of play, through this, this um, community and through the environment that I've created and, and all the support and everything that I have and, and really through this message of playing for your life, um, I've been able to bounce back. Right. And I've been at the, at the lowest of the low, you know, I've had a pistol in my mouth. I've been thinking about that decision and I've consistently made another choice because of the things that I've learned and because of the things that I, that I'm now sharing. Um, so yeah, there's a lot more we could get into, but I'm going to pause there for a uh, check for understanding and, and hear what no, you have to say. <laughs> great. And the reason I don't talk much a lot, because, you know, I want to get your story out there and I'd rather be interested than interesting. So that's why you'll see me <laughs> pause a lot. Um, so and, and I write stuff down because, like I said, if I don't write it down, I'm not going to remember. Um but it's, I'm, writing what, I'm writing what you're saying down. So I'm, I'm not doing anything else but paying attention to what you're saying. So talk, bring us back to you want to join the military, but it takes you forever to join. What was yeah. the issue? What was the issue? Yeah. Well, um, when I was 17, I was a junior in high school, my uh, – at my high school, they had recruiters right in the hallway, right? We were a technical school. So a lot of, a lot of uh, kids would just go straight from high school into the military. 
And uh, I thought, all right, this is my chance. You know, I was a, I was a big, uh, big fan of the Marines marketing. So I figured that was where I was going to go. My grandfather was a Marine in World War II, um, you know, saw, saw combat in the Pacific theater. And I was just always so, so um, in admiration of that. And um, my, I had some, some of my dad's friends had been in Vietnam and stuff and uh, all Marines. <clears throat> so I walked up to the Marine recruiter, who's the only one in the hallway. And I said, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to sign up, you know? And he goes, okay, great. And asked me a few questions and immediately disqualified me uh, due to some medical stuff that I had had as a kid. And I'm, and I'm like, what do you mean? No. Right. <laughs> He's like, well, we, you know, we won't take you. And it was such a, such a blow to my confidence um, it just shattered, you know, all this, this vision that I had for my life. Um, and so that kind of sent me reeling, right. It was like, well, I don't, I don't have another plan, you know, and, and, um, you know, you know, in, in the military, we use pace, right. we got backup plans for backup plans for backup plans. And it was the first time in my life that it really hit me that I, I had no plan. Um, and so and then I had to try to figure it out, but I didn't know how to figure that out. Right. I was just kind of going off gut, going off a heart. And so now I started to listen to other people. Right. What should I do? Oh, you should go to college because you're, you know, you're smart. Okay. All right. Man, I'll go to college. What should I go to college for? Right. So I just kept now uh, looking outside instead of, instead of really getting serious with myself, right. Or getting real with myself about, okay, what might be the life that I want to create now? given this constraint, given the fact that I can't go down that path. So, you know, already I'm in this kind of uh, personal growth situation. I just obviously, you know, didn't have the awareness that I have now. And uh, so that started this life of just, I'm just going to do what this other person says I should, you know, that sounds like maybe that's a good idea. And that compounds, right? So over the next 10 years, I had built this life based off of what everybody else thought I should do. And then because I was asking everybody else and not checking in with myself, I was also looking for the validation from everyone else, right? Am I doing a good job, right? Am I doing what I should be doing? Um, and instead of, again, checking in with myself, does this feel good? Does this light me up? Does this fill me up? You know, do I feel whole? Do I feel satisfied? Do I feel fulfilled? And ultimately, you know, at almost 30 years old, I did not enjoy my life, right? I was bored. I was frustrated. Um, I was just kind of bouncing from job to job every couple of years, you know, just continuing to seek what is this thing that's going to make me happy. But I was looking in all the wrong places. So when I joined the military, I was at this point of like, hey, like, I, I can't figure this out. Right. I'm just I'm just going to go here. You tell me what to do and I'm going to go do it 110 percent. All right. But wait, hold, hold on. I, I want to because. Yeah. I'm just picturing you, 28 years old, walking into the recruiter's office because you know you're no lo you're no longer that young stud. You know you're 28. You know so you're like the old man. So yeah. walking, like going well, into the recruiter's office, and it's not like you're picking. I want to go to supply. You know, yeah. I want to go to be a ranger. So what was that whole? Take yeah. us back to that day in that office. Yeah. So like, <laughs> Rich, I never, I never really paid attention to like, you know, the, the rules, right. Or the shoulds of what, you know, what I could and couldn't do. 
Um, that's kind of the interesting thing is here I was living this life based on what everyone else said I should do, but I was still giving it, you know, 110%. I'd be like, all right, I'm going right. And I just always believed that I could, I could just, I could succeed and I could do whatever, you know, I put my mind to. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't the youngest guy in the crew, but, but I was one of the strongest, right. I was one of the, one of the toughest, one of the, um, uh, most energetic. Right. And so, um, I had just a sort of side note too. I was in the punk scene, like I mentioned, right. So I had a Mohawk and a neck tattoo and I walked into that office. Right. So, you know, now I know what Ranger regiment is like or what, what it was like at that time anyway. So maybe that actually qualified me. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when I walked in, I just, you know, I just knew that was what I was going to do and I was going to put everything that I had into it. Um, and, you know, I had, I was working out a time, you know, I was, I was, I was, uh, in, in, in different shape then. Um, but it just, it just didn't, again, I was like, I, it didn't cross my mind that I wouldn't make it. All right. They, so they I want, that's something I want to harp on. Um, yeah. you know, on this show, I've had Navy SEALs, I've had Green Berets, Delta Force, and I love you guys. I love the special operating community. Because, like, as I was talking to my friend John McCaskill, um, Navy SEAL commander, he wrote the book uh, Embrace the Suck. Yeah. And I said, John, I said, you guys look more like my accountants than I thought. <laughs> I'm expecting John Rambo. And it wasn't really that way. So, yeah. you know, talk to us about, you know, because you went in as a 28-year-old man. Mm-hmm. you And you've seen a lot of people not make the selection process. What was it about you? that made you pass the selection process? Because even John said, or Rich Devinney would say, it, because either I was going to do that push-up or I was going to die doing that push-up. It was never quit. I, yeah. So talk to us about why you made selection and a lot of people probably didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the first word that comes to mind is heart, right? And I've got, I've got very strong perseverance we've already kind of touched on right i consider that one of my superpowers one of one of the biggest superpowers um i have comes this related to perseverance but it comes through in kind of a twisted way and this is this has been a real big challenge for me most of my life is control right so when i put together my desire to to control and perseverance with a mission that feels 100 percent aligned Right. Remember I said like my whole life I'd wanted to join the military. Now we were at war. I was like, I'm going right. I, I know this is for me. This is a, so having that clarity of vision combined with with my just natural perseverance um, and, and belief in what I was doing. There was no freaking way I was going to fail. Right. They were going to have to physically drag me out of there, you know, um, for me not to keep going. And. I had kind of been training for this in some, in some strange ways, right? Not, not necessarily consciously, but in, in the past decade from high school to when I joined, um, I'd been living hundred miles an hour, right? I've been just, I was working, I was playing music. I was going to shows, I was going to parties. Like, you know, some of this stuff is not what I would recommend for a typical training program, but you know, I'd stay up until two, three in the morning, go get a couple hours of sleep, and then head off to work in the morning, you know, and go do my engineering job and then rinse and repeat. 
And so when it came to like the psychological stuff, you know, just like stand there in formation for a few hours, you know, don't get a lot of sleep, um, you know, that kind of stuff. They kind of play those those mind games that that stuff didn't bother me. You know, I'm like, OK, I'm good. I know what I'm here to do. I know they're just trying to mess with me. Right. That's cool. So it was a unique combination of uh, experiences and just uh, my own kind of innate abilities, I think. Uh, combined with that that clarity of vision. And, you know, one thing I've noticed about you guys, and like I said, I love the, the SOF community. Um, you got uh, Most of you guys, not all, but some of you guys, most of you guys are very analytical. I noticed that, you know, I, very, very well read, very well studied. Um, they make SOPs for days. You know, they have their plan for their plan for the plan before the plan. And they realized that, like Mike Tyson said, everybody got his plan until you get punched in the mouth. But yeah. Sometimes you got to have a, a harder plan. So, yeah. okay, you did. You said you did four years, multiple multiple deployments, and uh, we're not going to talk about that shit. Um, but you know, you said you you know you wanted to get in so bad, and then you're at four years, and you're getting out. Yeah. What was that? whole process what was the mindset what was the reasoning for you to get out at four years yeah um man there's a there's kind of a lot that goes into this but you know i when when i was in 08 2012 super busy right so i came to experience what it what it was like to serve to go to combat you know to be a part of this elite unit and i got I got that in spades, right? So it was four years of just full on, you know, all out um, training, combat, you know, experiencing being a part of this, this amazing unit with these uh, incredible guys. And, uh, and I also was kind of looking around and going, okay, the guys that are in here into their forties and fifties, they're pretty beat, you know, they're, they're pretty beat up. Um, and that, you know, I was getting older, so I was 33 years old uh, around the time I got out and I was starting a family. And I was also looking at these guys who had young kids and they were going, you know, on these deployments and either not coming back or when they came back, their kids didn't really, you know, they had to kind of rebuild relationship with them. And uh, family is one of my top values. So once I once that became a new reality um, I started to really think about like, Hey, is this, is this really what I want to keep doing, you know, in the long term? is that sustainable for me? Um, and you know, I really had this desire to be around, to see my kids, to be a part of that. Um, and so those were, those were really the biggest things. And it was a tough decision, man. I loved, I loved being in regiment. I loved what I was doing. I was on a pretty cool track. Um, you know, uh, I made E5 in, in three and a half years and um, was headed towards some pretty cool opportunities. Um, and uh, so it was a tough decision. You know, there, there was we were losing a lot of guys. I lost one of my best buds um, in 2009. And so the the feel of it did start to shift too, right from this like, hey, you know, like rah, rah, we're like, you know, we're, we're heroes. We're going off to save the world and liberate, you know, the oppressed. And it started to feel a little bit different after a while. And, and, you know, the weight of putting 
each each one of those um, you know deaths or injuries or uh, kind of questionable things in the ruck, you know, it just started to get really heavy. So all of that kind of combined to uh, to make it clear that it was time to go. And even still, it was tough, you know. All right. So uh, first of all, because I want to dig deep into it, um, I want to thank our sponsors. As you guys know, I was in the military for 23 years. I was with GNC for over 30 years. I loved pre-workouts, but every pre-workout I ever had tasted like shit or I didn't get enough energy out of it. So I came out with my own pre-workout and I'm actually drinking it right now. It's called Vertical Momentum uh, Coffee, pre-workout coffee. Uh, twice the amount of caffeine, twice the amount of energy. The best part of it, it's all made with veteran hands. It's all veteran hand roasted. And 100% of the proceeds go to help veterans struggling with PTSD and homelessness. We're actually, I'm working with Project Die Hard. They're actually building houses and billets so a, a veteran can bring his family, stay for a year, have take care of the veteran and their family for one whole year for totally for free. So if you guys love coffee, if you love a mission, check out Vertical Momentum Coffee. Um, and also, if you guys want to start your own podcast like this, uh, my friend Eric helped me start my own podcast. Now we're in the top 0.5% of all podcasts in the world with all, over 2 million impressions this year alone. So, guys, if you want to start your own podcast, let me know. All right, brother. So now let's let's break it down. Because, um, like, one of my friends, Sergeant Nick Valentine, always talks about when you step off the base, the military does not give a shit about you. Your phone stops ringing. You lose the camaraderie. You lose a paycheck. And you lose a mission. And a lot of us end up at the bottom at, at the bottom of a bottle of whiskey with a pistol pistol in our hand so talk to us about your transitioning when you first got out of the military yeah i mean <clears throat> that sounds about right you know when i was uh when i was etsing the guys were deploying again and i remember standing on the on the tarmac with you know the planes taken off and uh you know once they got in the air i just had this just visceral sense like oh shit <laughs> they're they're gone i'm gonna be out by the time they get back and and that's it you know and um there were a couple of relationships that straggled a little bit after that because i was still in savannah but ultimately that was my experience it was it was you know cold turkey hey these relationships are, are pretty much gone um and yeah the military is designed to create soldiers out of civilians, not the other way around. And, um, so I was, I was out there swinging in the breeze and now with, uh, you know, a bunch of physical stuff that, that popped up physical injuries and, and difficulties and, um, mental, you know, big mental challenges, uh, PTSD and, um, a, a totally new reality that I had to spin up really fast and figure out how to make this work. And, you know, my, my analytical engineering brain and, and my, and my capacity for perseverance and my tendency for control, you know, I dove right into that and just, all right, let me just figure it out. Right. I'm just going to figure it out and I'm going to execute. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Very industrial, very kind of militaristic approach to my life. And uh, that works for a little while, but it's not sustainable. Right. It's just, it's inefficient, takes too much fuel. And, um, 
eventually I just completely burnt out four or five years out of the military and, you know, hit rock bottom and had to start rebuilding with intention, right? Which here I am, you know, almost 40 years old. And now I get to look at my life with intention. The hell does that mean? <laughs> right. Well, you know, but, so, something I want to talk about because it never gets talked about. I don't, I don't think any veteran show have ever talked about it like we do on this show. Um, I had Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann on the show talking about his amazing book. And he says, one thing that we deal with is moral injuries. And we never talk about it. We always talk about PTSD, but we never mm. talk about the moral injuries that we come home with. Because veterans, first responders, doctors, nurses, see and do shit that nobody should ever have to see or do. And we come mm. home with that. And mm. I think once we start dealing with how, you know, start dealing with our moral injuries is when we can actually move from post-traumatic stress to post-traumatic growth. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's definitely a big factor. Um, you know, it's what we're doing as, as soldiers is we are trained to hunt and kill other humans. Right. And that's, that's a tricky one right? with the morality that we all, you know, that most of us kind of embrace, right. The, the versions of morality all, look at killing as a sin, as, you know, um, as not a good thing for a productive society. Right. And so, you know, if a, if a gang member murders another gang member, there's, there's a likelihood that they're going to be on death row and be executed. Right. Because we say, Hey, that's not okay. But when you put on a uniform and you follow orders according to a, you know, an institutional agenda, um, it's okay. As long as you do it in the right way, right? Don't don't step out of those bounds, those rules of engagement, right? Because then maybe you'll end up in prison just like the other guy. Um, and so, yeah, that's a really tricky one for the for the human psyche to figure out. And while you're in that environment, it's like, well, we just don't think about that, right? I'm following orders. I'm following the rules. This is this is the culture. It's okay. But when you get out, right? When you get out, it's a it's a opportunity, <laughs> a challenge to figure out like, what is my new identity? What is my new reality? Right. You can, I'm a firm believer that you cannot apply the exact same operating system that you had in the military in civilian life, or you're just going to cause a lot of suffering. So that's an opportunity for you to figure out like, okay, what is, you know, what are these, um, what are the SOPs for my life? What are my values? What do I, how do I live and arrange my life according to that so that I can thrive? And a lot of that stuff can start to come up. Right. Like, whoa, what, what was I doing? What was, what was I really doing? What were we really doing? And how do I actually feel? How, how do I sit with the fact that I may have contributed or may have directly ended someone's life? Right. Um, that that can be that can be a, a game stopper for a lot of guys. Right? Just, it's just too much to try to figure out. So then um, how did Nick go about? reimagining and reinventing his life. I mean, you had to make some kind of change because like my friend James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And, yep. you know, you have to change your 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 thought process. You have <clears> to change your habits if you're going to change your life because it's all an inside job. Nobody's coming to save your ass, you know? So you got to, 
you had to start changing. So what were some of the processes that you started doing different? Looks like it looks like it rebooted on my end. Yep. So, so what were some of the processes that you started doing differently? Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, this is great. Cause this is what, I, this is what I end up now. Now I teach this right as a coach. Um, and I help, help people one-on-one. I help, I create groups. I do live events. Um, really excited about a live event coming up Sunday, actually here in San Diego. Um, so yeah, it, it's about the biggest question is what do you want? Right? Like that's really, that's, that's the question that will change everything. If you really take some time to consider that and get real and check in, uh, check in with yourself. Um, having a vision for your life is critical. So when you're in the military, you get one handed to you, right? And then you can kind of craft your own path based on that. But when you're, when you're on your own, when you're out here in the civilian world, you have to figure out what is it that I want? What, why am I even doing any of this stuff? Right. Otherwise it's going to be real easy to get knocked off course. And, you know, and that's going to happen. But when you have that vision, you come back to it. Oh yeah. Right. Right. So this is what I'm doing. So for me, once I started to re recreate my life, you know, I started to get really curious and curiosity is one of the biggest things that I teach around is, you know, when you're curious, you start to see things that you didn't see before. You start to be more creative. You actually start to, you know, raise your frequency, raise your vibration to match the frequency that's out there with that possibility that you can imagine. Does that make sense? Oh, preaching to the choir, brother. Preaching yeah. to the choir. So, yeah. <laughs> so having that vision requires, you know, getting into your imagination and, and believing that something is possible, right? So there's, there's all sorts of different ways that we can look at it. Um, but for me, I just, I just, I reached a point of so much pain and suffering that it was like, okay, either check out or figure out what I'm going to do next. Right. And so, you know, I started to, I started to ask around and I started to talk to people and that led me to other people who were searching and that led me to groups that were kind of, you know, visioning and creating and searching together. And I ended up hiring a life coach and that changed everything, man. That was like putting race fuel on the fire it was it was just like oh right having someone there who's who's in your corner who's you know challenging you but also supporting you cha and championing you and guiding you right through their their wisdom of how the human journey can unfold um to to get you to do the work to get you to do the the exploration and get really clear on what it is you you want to do and then go play for it Right. Like, OK, cool. You say you want to do this. What's what's the first couple experiments that you want to set up? You know, first couple actions you want to take to go see if that's if that's true. Right. And then it becomes this this game of like, all right, let me let me see what is it I want to create. Let me go take action Let me see what comes up and then let me reevaluate that pro that iterative process, which many veterans will be familiar with, uh, is super, super effective. And suddenly you look back after a few months and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm actually creating this vision that I had that I just imagined out of, you know, <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, so that was that was really powerful to start to embrace that practice. And then it, it was continuing to dive deep into wisdom around how do you become more resilient? How do you become more adaptive? 
right? What, what are some, some other tools or methodologies that are out there? Um, and uh, what I landed on was this, this play model that I, that I now teach. And I just, I have a little flyer here. I'm going to hold it up for you because I like visual stuff. And this is what we're doing, right? We're playing in a social setting. 99.9% .9 of the time, we're out there interacting with people. Right? That, so, that, looks, that looks familiar. I think I've seen that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's it. Just, you know, getting out there. And, and the biggest thing, the biggest thing, and it's related to curiosity, but the biggest thing that I would, I would ask, you know, anyone who's listening or anyone that I talk to, to consider is how can you drop the judgment, right? How can you just have a little bit less judgment, a little more judgment, free awareness of what's going on. And one of the easiest ways to do that is just as you're, as you're observing your life, as you're considering what's happening in a day-to-day -day, um, rhythm, bring in the, the statement, how interesting, right? Like, oh, that's interesting. I'm doing that thing again. I said, I didn't want to do that. Right. Huh. And instead of beating yourself up and, you know, bringing in the shame and the guilt and the judgment, just bring in how interesting. Right. And then do I want to stay here or do I want to go towards, you know, that vision that I have? And if I want to go towards that vision, how might I do that? Right. What feels like a way I could start to do that. And um, just that one practice of, of interrupting the judgment pattern changes everything. And, you know, one thing I got to say, you know, as you're talking, um, I'm thinking about, you know, even the greatest of all time, Tom Brady loves to be coached up. You know, mm. some of the greatest athletes in the world, they have coaches and their, their coaches have coaches. But what I, mm. what the reason why I'm bringing it up because I've been struggling the last couple of days and people know about, you know, if I'm struggling with something, I'm very vulnerable and I'm authentic. I'll say, listen, I'm having a bad day. And I had a bad day yesterday and I woke up this morning, turned on my phone and there's a message from Dean Graziosi. He's like, Rich, you're doing a good job. And mm. sometimes you just need to hear from somebody, you know, because sometimes no matter how successful you become, you still deal with imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have a coach, to have a mentor, so somebody to be like, you're doing the right things. You're just going through a rough day. You know what yeah. I mean? So talk to yeah. us about mentorship and coaching and um, stuff like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a coach. I have my own coaching business and I always have a coach, right? Sometimes multiple coaches that I'm paying for that I'm, you know, that I'm spending time and energy around, um, because because I believe in it, because this stuff works and because everybody needs that. Right. We're, we're too close to our own stuff a lot of the time. So we need that that outside perspective. Um, and like you said, that support on some of those tough days. Right. Um, my, one of the one of the coolest things that my coaches do for me is is say, you know, how is this for you? Right. Everything is happening for you. So how is this challenge for you? Right. And that's, yeah. and that's like just, just that, that awareness, right. Sometimes it sucks to hear that. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I, I, I kick and, and yell at that, like, um, but eventually it comes around and it's like, okay, yep. Yeah, 
this, this is the lesson I needed to learn. This is the gift. This is the, you know, whatever ability coming online. Um, and, and this stuff is available, right? I, if it, it's, you can create the support. You just have to be intentional and you don't, if, if you don't have the money to do it, great. Find, you know, find a friend who's on board, right? Create a little check-in group, um, you know, find, just, just take some action towards that. Put some intention towards that. Hey, I want to, I want to have a, a, you know, some kind of support, some kind of deeper support. And it's cool when, when you start to just really put your energy behind an idea, the universe supports you, right? So even if you're like, I don't know how this is going to happen, right? Um, put some energy and some intention behind it and see what happens. Um, I, I, for one, am super passionate about building communities and, you know, groups and connecting people. Um, I'm doing some, some big stuff right now with some folks out here in San Diego, uh, building a community for special operations veterans. Um, I'm part of a community, uh, in ocean beach that is bringing in all sorts of leaders and teachers around movement and sound healing and, uh, coaching, um, breath work, all these kind of things. And, you know, because we need each other right? We, we are not meant to live this life in isolation. We're meant to be in community. We're meant to support each other. You know, we're meant to be real with each other. Um, I'm looking to start a, a men's circle here for veterans and non-veterans um, because, you know, it's, it's one of the most important things is to set up an environment where you feel heard, where you feel seen, where you can bring all your shit, you know, and we can support each other, but also we can celebrate each other, right? We can encourage each other, push each other to, to do better and, and follow our hearts and follow our dreams. Um, we're just not meant to do it alone, right? We always play better when we play together. Now, something I, that you talk about and, you know, if you break things down to, you know, playing a game, because I'm, yeah. I'm a big gamer. Um, at night before I go to bed, I'm playing either Madden, NBA 2K, MLB, NASCAR. I'm doing something at night before I go to bed. And I hear a lot of people, you know, say, well, that may be stupid. For, but for me, that's my peace time. That's when I can sit, ponder my day. And if, I, if I'm if i playing 2K3 and I dominate the game and get 30 rebounds, I'm have, I, I wake up the next morning feeling I did something. I, even though it's stupid, but... It, it's kind of my way to focus on winning, but also yeah. I hear a lot of people, you know, they say, you know, they talk about games and, and playing, but somebody once asked Warren Buffett, why don't you play video games or watch football? He says, because money is my game. Yes. So, you know, I think that if you can make whatever you want, even like you said, you know, I wanted to, to get into rooms with some of the most famous people and the most popular and the most, you know, the most influential people. So I started to play in the game is, well, how about if I promote their stuff for free, don't ask anything back, what would happen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, now I'm friends with Gary V, Dean Graziosi, people like that. Cause I decided to use it as a game instead mm -hmm. of just trying to strategy, strategy, make, make it fun. Yeah. And business should be fun. Yeah. People spend money with people they like. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. And that that's yeah. I mean, about making make make business fun again. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is one of my favorite things to do. A lot of my, uh, a lot of my clients are, are running businesses or starting businesses. And, um, you know, there's this, there's this pattern, this idea that we, a lot of us have absorbed that like, oh, business is work, right? Business is all about the strategy and the, da, 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 and, you know, and then I get to play afterwards, right? Or I get to have fun at some other time. Um, the, the challenge is that, you know, a lot of times the business starts to absorb everything. And, and the truth is that um, just like I was living my life, you know, in this, in this, with this perseverance and militaristic approach, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Right. Um, so one of my, one of my clients um, recently, this is just an example of like playing while, while dealing with, while growing the business, you know, cause the business is, is, is challenging at times. Um, she got a notice that one of her uh, main retainer clients was going to cut her retainer by what equaled 25 K for the year. Right. And, and it was, it was a shock out of nowhere. Right. So over, over a week of coaching together, just a, like two sessions, she was able to generate an additional 25 K from her other clients just by getting out there and playing for it. Right. We're like, okay, here's the game. You need to replace that 25 K, you know, or, or more. And so we set up the, you know, what's the game plan? Well, okay. You know, we get, okay, let's think about, let's really get into this state of creativity of possibility, right? Who else is, is in your world? You know, who else could you reach out to? Is, are there any other opportunities that maybe, you know, we're kind of on the back burner, but now there's this, this kind of uh, urgency around it. You know, you could tap into it. And because we were able to immediately get into curiosity and get into this kind of spirit of play. She didn't get stuck. Right. And like, Oh man, I'm, you know, I'm lost that money and I don't know what to do. And, you know, then that spirals into all this negative self-talk, you know, I'm not a good business person or maybe I just shouldn't, shouldn't do this. It was like, no, what's possible. And, and then go out and play for it. Right. Worst case, somebody's going to say no. But this, this, these are the kind of things, there's a lot of fear that's, that's in there in our social environment um, that keeps people from even trying, from even going out there and doing something. So because she was able to go out and be in the right energy, right, because a lot of the stuff that I do with my clients is about, hey, let's get you aligned so that you're not freaking out inside because everything's energy, right? All, all interactions, there's so much more going on than we can tell with our five senses. And so if if I'm talking to somebody and I'm all torn up inside and I'm, you know, scared and freaking out and thinking, ah, oh, they're just going to say no, that's going to impact the interaction. But if I'm there and I'm, I'm experiencing inner peace, right. And aligned with what my intention is and letting go of like, Hey, it's either going to happen or it's not. It's okay. I'm just here to play. I'm just here to invite someone to a different experience. That's also going to impact the, uh, the outcome. And I've seen it so many times, man, people just like thinking, Oh, this is a, I don't know. This, this is a big ask. It's like, cool. All right. Let's get you just, let's get you aligned. Right. And let's get you energized. And then we practice how to play it. Right. We do some role play sometimes. And before you know it, they're like, all right, cool. I'm going to do this. This is going to be fun. And then they go do it. And they, and they get the thing that they're asking for right? time and time again. Um, a lot of times it's money, right? Raises or, or uh, income. 
sometimes it's uh it's relationship stuff right and, and you know so it's just really it's really beautiful what opens up when you start to lean into that possibility and when you have a chance to practice it in a safe container right so we go through our lives so much of the time with these big potentially life-altering conversations or um, opportunities and we just wing it and then we wonder why you know maybe it didn't work out when you have a chance yeah. to practice you get through all that first and i had a friend who come on the show and he was an apache pilot in afghanistan and um he said and i've never heard it said before he said before every mission we would do something called chair flying and i've heard of this yeah <laughs> and if you would just do that and no matter what it is you're going to do just try to do that put yourself in that position work your way through it you know and and eventually you'll be able to figure it out but now one thing you know i love is i love relationships i'm a big relationship guy since you know now i've had you on my show now i want to build generational relationships um yes. but it's amazing how how many deals are made on a golf course mm -hmm. how many deals are made when you go to yankee stadium and, and they have the boxes there's reasons why and if you ever think about any good times you've ever had with your family it was never you were at the hospital you were at work it was the times you were at play yeah and i think we as adults we need to play again and become childlike in a, in a lot of different ways because a lot of us are so friggin' uptight is that you just can't just have fun, be yeah. in the moment with your kids. If they want to play Wii, play Wii with the kids. You know, yeah. if you want just become a kid again. I think if we could do that is when we can start playing again, is when we can start enjoying our life. Because I remember even when we were deployed, we may have went out, but when we came back, we were playing Madden, we were playing football, we were watching stupid movies on a little TV this big. Yeah. But the playtimes... We're, we played just as hard as we work. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 100%. And, and there is, there is this invitation, you know, to learn from children and, and how they move through the world, especially up to like age six or seven, they're so free. Right. And they're just being themselves. They're just expressing love. They're going out there and inviting other kids. You know, you, you've seen two kids on a playground and never met before walk right up to each other. Hey, what's your name? You want to play a game? Right. This is possible for us. And, and a lot of people, the word uh, play is provocative. A lot of people are like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't, I'm not going to play. You know, I'm an adult. I got, I got to make money. I got responsibilities. The thing is, though, we can learn from that and apply that as an operating system. So we don't have to be children, right? But we're, we can learn from them, right? Like, um, um, yeah, I had an analogy about AI and asymmetrical warfare and stuff but the, the the point is that we can learn from that and apply that to our own approach right so okay let's say you're a businessman great you have you're making deals right you're negotiating what if you what if you took some of that energy of that childlike interaction and applied it to an interaction with your business partners right just kind of you know getting curious approaching this in a, in a different way um asking for something different. Right. Um, and there's a lot of different models of play in our world that, that in my coaching, we draw from all of them. Right. And we draw from 
especially things that resonate the most with you. Some people resonate with that playground analogy. They're like, man, I just want to, you know, I just want to be like that again. I just want to feel like myself and just be able to play and move around. Awesome. You know, we'll pull a lot from that kind of analogy. Some people are like, hey, I've got a, I've got a serious mission in this world and I need to, I need to make it happen. Right. It's about legacy or whatever. Right. Then we might draw from the model of, you know, performance art. Right. Like a, you know, a, a famous musician or um, or maybe it's that they resonate with their life being this quest. Right. So, I'm, you know, I'm an adventurer and I'm on the trail. Um, either way, we can learn from that. Right. And, and just apply it and, and move through our lives in a different way that has less shame, less guilt, less control, less uh, judgment. Right. And it's really amazing what happens, man. We start to move really fast. We start to really enjoy life. Um, you know, the the ultimate aim is to follow the aliveness. Right. What lights you up when you're when you're energized and when you're clear about where you're going you can, you can do it. You can do anything you want to do. Okay. So now for the last couple of minutes, you know, uh, I've never had a word of the year. This is the first year I have ever um, picked a word. And that word is intention Mm. for everything that I do. I want it to be intentional, but, and Mm. I think back to my, I had Steve Sims on the show and he was talking about how he was dealing. He had a friend, he was a nine feet, nine figure earner. Mm-hmm. And he and and Steve talked to his assistant and said, what is he really like? And he said, <laughs> oh, he loves Maroon 5. And <laughs> his birthday's coming up. So he, he got him an autographed guitar by Maroon 5. Nice. Now, that may only have been a $500 guitar. But and he was a, you know, a nine figure earner. But because he hit that soft spot that'll never be forgotten. And I think sometimes when we have our friends, you know, we have the, our business partners, we don't, we only get to know them on a, you know, on a certain level. We don't get to know the real, you know, the real Nick or, you know, um, like my, my, one of my great friends, Lane Malone, you know, a lot of people don't, they know Lane for, you know, being who he is, but they don't really know him for who he is. Mm. So I think, I think as we in, in business or in life, I think sometimes we get to have to get a little bit deeper to start building those real, real relationships. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, I love Lane. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's a brother. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, it comes down to honestly knowing yourself. Right. So that's, there's there's this game where when we're relating with other people there's there's a there's there's ways there's approaches to relate more authentically you know to get curious and have deeper conversations but with relationships i i believe that relationships are one of our greatest um mirrors right it's it's teaching us how to love ourselves how to know ourselves and we can only love other people as much as we love ourselves. So that's, that's, that's a fun game. Let me tell you. <laughs> and I, I really, I, and I absolutely love that. And I also know, you know, I forget who said it. So forgive me. Um, and I hear it all the time, but it means so much, you know, that if you're hanging out with five millionaires, 
you're more than likely going to be that sixth millionaire. Yes. So a lot of it, I think, in success or in life, it's even in the Bible, it says, walk not into the counsel of the ungodly. Mm-hmm. So who you hang out with, who you listen to, who you talk to are, are going to are going to if they're in your ecosystem, that's who you're going to be. And I think it's sometimes if you want to get out of where you used to be and move into where you want to be, you have to change ecosystems. Do you believe in that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, ecosystems, environments. Uh, it's it's super critical, right? We we adapt to whatever environment we're in. And that's, you know, that there's there's an imperative, a human imperative to belong wherever we are. So, you know, there's there's parts of the body and mind that are always scanning the environment, always adapting uh, so that we can belong in that environment. And, you know, so the, the good news about that is that if you are clear about who you want to be, what you want to create, you can start to seek out those environments that are going to help you get there. You can start to intentionally create the environment that's going to just, you know, rocket you into that, uh, that vision for yourself and for your life. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, and that's something that my friend and mentor, Mr. Ed Milet talks about all the time. You know, you reticulate your activating system in your mind, you're going to find what you're looking for. So whether Mm -hmm. that's success or that's failure, uh, whether it's opportunities, whatever it is you're searching for, your your RAS system is actually going to find it for you. So, uh, so you know, last couple of minutes, tell us a little bit about what you got going on, how we can support you and how we can support your mission. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm shifting things a little bit right now to be mainly in person. I'm creating, uh, creating play shops to really spread this message, message of play and, and dive deeper. Um, and so I'm in the San Diego area looking to create play shops all over San Diego and just basically do this full time. Um, I've got some really cool uh, visions for these play shops where I'm doing one uh, this weekend. There's one coming up at a, at a dojo in Ocean Beach. It's a really cool setting. And then um, I'm going to bring them to rock climbing gyms. I want to bring them to indoor skydiving um, locations and also uh, out on the trail and start doing, you know, one day, three day uh, experiences out in nature where we get in our body, we get physical, we have some fun, but we also dive deep into the, you know, into the transformational work. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool when we, when you do something like at a rock climbing gym, you know, we'll get into visioning, we'll get into some of these concepts and really start to practice them with each other get really connected um, and start to build community. And then we get on the, on the wall, right. And we climb the walls always got some wisdom for you. You know, you, by the time you get off that wall, you've got some more insight to whatever it is you're visioning. We'll integrate that. And then, you know, and then we uh, move on. But, uh, I love the idea of pulling in playful, challenging, you know, physical activities with community, with transformation, with intention, um, and that's, that's the vision for me is just to keep doing that, keep creating those until, um, until I'm at capacity and I need to hire people to help me do it. So then how do we find you? So I've got a website, uh, which is just www.nickdevlincoaching.com, nickdevlincoaching.com. And, 
I'm on uh, Instagram at the real Nick Devlin. Um, and I'm on some of the other social platforms as well, uh, LinkedIn right. and Facebook. So, yeah. And, you know, I'd love to offer listeners, uh, anyone who's interested, who'd love to connect uh, or would love to kind of explore creating a vision, love to offer, a, a, you know, a checking call, a visioning call, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you got nothing to lose. Um, and uh, could it could be could be life changing. And I love it, Nick, brother. I'm so grateful. We finally got a chance to, to chat. Uh, when I had Lane on the show, we were bragging about you. Uh, <laughs> so I just want to say thank you for being a brother. Yeah. I think we've been friends for a couple of years now. And I, I just know. want to say thank you for always being there and being an inspiration to me. Hey, I appreciate you, Richard. Right back at you. And I look forward to the next time, man. All right, brother. Hey, guys, remember, um, like my T-shirt says, today I decided... Guys, you get to decide if you want to be a victim or the victor today. So you make that decision today. And guys, remember, vertical momentum, the only way to go is butt up. And I'll catch you guys tomorrow. Nick, have an amazing week, brother. You too, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.